your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, May 6, 2021. Your boy Q here, as always. You can find me on Twitter, at your boy Q254. I have a loaded show for you again today. Been having a lot of fun with the Getting to Know series that we got going on. So far, we've talked all things Alex Leatherwood. We've talked all things Trayvon Merrick. We've talked all things Malcolm Kuntz. And we've talked all things Divine Diablo. Today on the show, we'll be talking about Nate Hobbs, the fifth-round draft pick out of Illinois so very excited I've been having a lot of fun with these and I think this kind of helps Raider Nation get to know the players that are coming in and competing for spots on this roster come training camp so of course that's going to be coming up on today's show before I really get into the teeth of today's show I do want you to know that's being brought to you by rockauto.com great selection super low prices all the parts your car is ever going to need visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On Raiders podcast sent you also before we get into today's show I want to apologize again Apple iTunes has been tripping. I know I talked about it last week, but if you listen to the podcast by way of like your app on your iPhone, it's there. The podcast will show up. But if you go to your desktop and you look on Apple for some dumb reason, I don't know what it is. Once they did their updates, if you go there, it isn't there since like Friday. I think Friday was the last episode that's on there. I don't know what the problem is, but it sucks because everyone reaches out. A lot of people reach out each and every day and say, hey, Q, are you not doing shows anymore? What's going on? No, I'm doing them on the daily, but Apple's failing. You can go to the Odyssey app. It's on there. You can update it. It used to be the Radio.com app, so if you had Radio.com on your phone, uh, you could check it out there. You can update it to Odyssey. That's what it is now. Or Spotify, Google Podcast has it. Uh, anywhere that you go get your podcast outside of Apple, you can find it. And I really apologize because Apple's tripping, and I don't know why it's going on like this, but it's been almost like two weeks, and for some dumb reason... They haven't come to a resolution. They haven't figured out what the problem is. We had one day where Spotify was tripping too, but I think Spotify is all good in the hood now. But man, I'm telling you, Apple is tripping and that's not okay. It just really isn't. You know, it's just, it's breaking up what you do on the regular. If you listen at a certain time, you want to get it at a certain time. You don't want to have to reach out to me and say, Q, what's up with the show? It is out there. I'm doing it on the daily Get the Odyssey app. I, I promise you that's a really good way to go. Again, used to be radio.com. Put that on your phone, and you could definitely uh, listen to the show there. And I, I hate that I have to spend two minutes of the show to explain that, but it's just, it is what it is, and, and it's because Apple's screwing everything up why I got to explain that. So let's get into today's show, what's going to be coming up on today's show. Segment number three, calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Get a handful of those in on the show today. Segment number two, we're going to continue with our series, Getting to Know, and it's going to be my conversation with Joey Wagner. He's from the Illini Inquirer. Uh, He'll be talking all things Nate Hobbs, the fifth-round pick out of Illinois. And you know the funny thing about this conversation that you'll hear with Joey, I recorded it. And it was a really great conversation, and I went to play it back, and all you could hear was, 
wah, 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 wah. Sound like Charlie Brown. It sounded like a, a literally an old school Charlie Brown cartoon where the, the teacher is just talking about wah, 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 wah. You know what I mean? It's just like you couldn't hear anything. I was like, what in the world? And so I shut down my computer. I restarted my Adobe Audition. I did everything I could. I emailed it to myself thinking, okay, maybe something was going on. And it just it was just one of those files, man. It was just a bad, corrupt file. So I had to call Joey back and was like, hey, man, uh, I know this sounds super unprofessional, but... Do you mind doing that over again? And believe it or not, he had no problem doing it. And it was even better the second time. So <laughs> I tell you all that to tell you, you'll have a really good conversation. You'll hear a really good conversation with Joey Wagner for the Illini Inquirer talking all things Nate Hobbs. I think it's very informative. You'll hear that in segment number two the second time. And it's even better the second time. I really do appreciate Joey, his patience with me. And man, it's so embarrassing when you have to do something like that. But either way you go, I did what I had to do. Here in segment number one, as I do on the daily, give you the news and the notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And off top, Jeff Heath was officially released on Wednesday. That was a move that I talked about on Wednesday's show that it was going to happen sometime during the day. Didn't know when it was, but about midday. It was official. Jeff Heath, the safety that actually led the team in interceptions in 2020, was officially released, and his uh, his release saved about $3 million in cap space, which is basically the money that they paid Casey Hayward, who they signed on Tuesday. So Jeff Heath is out, Casey Hayward in, and uh, that is what it is. Uh, I did want to play this little piece of audio right here from Jim Trotter, and he's on the NFL Network, NFL.com. He put a big piece out about how the Raiders are actually in a worse position now with John Gruden on the sideline than they were before he returned in 2018, taking over for Jack Del Rio. So uh, he ended up on NFL Network, and Andrew Siciliano, he actually uh, hit him up and was like, hey, so what do you mean by this? I know you put out this big piece on NFL.com, but break it down. Why are the Raiders in worse position? And this is what Jim Trotter had to say. Look, in the three seasons under Jack Del Rio, they were 25 and 23. In the three seasons under uh, John Gruden, they're 19 and 29. And I think ultimately the responsibility rests with Mark Davis because he's the one that gave John Gruden the contract and complete control of football operations. But now let's get closer to home and look at Gruden. You know, since he won that Super Bowl in Tampa, he's 64 and 80. In over nine seasons, he's 64 and 80. Out of those nine seasons, only three winning seasons. Out of those nine seasons, only two playoff appearances. Out of those two playoff appearances, no wins. So he's now going into year four with the Raiders in, in, in the second stint, and he's yet to have a winning record. You and I both know three years in the, in the NFL is a lifetime. So he tore down a team that was basically a year removed from the playoffs to rebuild it, and it hasn't turned out the way that he or the Raider fans have wanted. So ultimately, to, to me, you cannot say that they are better now than they were when he took over the franchise. Now, there is Jim Trotter right there talking about the franchise and what state they're in right now with John Gruden going into year four. And I'll tell you right now, nothing he said is wrong as far as, you know, the stats, the numbers, the wins, the losses, the fact that they were one year removed from the playoffs. But let's not get it twisted. Let's not act like the Raiders were just consistent playoff contenders year in and year out since they lost the Super Bowl to John Gruden and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, let's think about that. They've had only one season, one winning season since that Super Bowl loss to John Gruden. That was the 2002 season 
The only winning season they've had since then was 2016, the one year that they actually went to the playoffs. And then you saw what happened with Jack Del Rio. He lost the team, and they ended up going 7-9. and nine. He ultimately gets fired. But, I mean, they've had eight head coaches since they lost to, to John Gruden in the Super Bowl. I mean, they're not the, the face of consistency. And where I think that, you know, Trotter is right, you know, he, he should have been in the playoffs last year. Uh, he tore the team down the first year he returned. Uh, the second year, okay, it's, it's time to build it up. Third year, boom, he should be in the playoffs. They, no doubt about it, should have been in the playoffs. Spot on. They should have been in the playoffs in 2020. I don't care about COVID. Every team had to deal with COVID. They just didn't get it done. They couldn't finish. They started off strong, couldn't finish. Yes, is it on John Gruden to figure it out and get it done? Absolutely. He's spot on with that. But, I mean, he made it sound like the Raiders were consistently going to the, the playoffs and, and real big-time threats. I mean, no. Since they lost that Super Bowl to John Gruden and Tampa Bay Buccaneers that 2002 season, I mean, their records have been 4 and 12, 5 11, 4 and 12, 2 and 14, 4 and 12, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 4 and 12, 4 and 12, 3 and 13, 7 and 9, 12 and 4, 12 and 4 was 2016 when Derek Carr broke his ankle and wasn't able to play in the they need to figure it out. They need to get into the playoffs. There should be no excuse there. There wasn't really an excuse last year at all. I don't I don't buy the excuses of COVID and all this other issues and a young team. I don't care about all that. You should have made it to the playoffs. They didn't. They failed, but they did go 8-8. Eight and eight. So now he's got to, like my man uh, P.E. in North Carolina would say, it's time to show and prove. And last year, should have showed and proved. They didn't. Now, show and prove this year and get to the playoffs. You're playing 17 games. You can't go 8-8. Eight and eight. You've got to find a way to get into the playoffs, bottom line. My man Junior hit me up on Twitter after he heard that and, and read the piece from Jim Trotter. And, uh, you can find Junior on Twitter at it's Junior underscore 07. Man, Q, I hope Raider Nation doesn't overreact about what Jim Trotter wrote about the Raiders. I get their perspective and the narrative about Gruden's return not being great, but building a dynasty takes time, and in my opinion, that's what the organization is doing. Long-term success, not worried about a small window. We want the nation to be great again every year, be competitive, not win a Super Bowl, and die out. Just my thoughts. That's from my guy at Junior underscore 07. And look, I don't know about building a dynasty because you've got to first start winning before you can say that you're any part of a dynasty, uh, but I will say... The when they build this and when they get into the playoffs, they need to find a way to do it consistently. You're absolutely right. And that's the one thing that the Raiders have not had ever since they lost to Gruden in the Super Bowl. They haven't had any consistency. Eight head coaches between 2003 and 2018 when he returned to the sidelines. I mean, that's a lot of head coaches in that time. They can't do that. They've had so much turnover. They've got to figure out how to stay consistent. And he's trying to do that. And I'm not trying to give him an excuse. He's trying to do that. Has he done it well enough? No. He's got to, you know, look in the mirror and, and figure out how to get from six and three and six and four to all of a sudden get to, you know, ten and six, ten and well, obviously now they got seventeen games, so eleven and five, and make sure that they uh, get themselves into the playoffs and our players in the playoffs. So uh, this is going to be a big year, you know. I don't think that he's on the hot seat because Mark Davis, that's his dude, and as long as uh, Mark Davis is the is the owner, John Gruden can coach as long as he wants to. But something's got to give. They've got to find a way to get back to the playoffs. This is embarrassing that they've had one winning season since they lost the Super Bowl in the 2002 season. That is embarrassing. They've got to do better. John Gruden's got to do better. So I understand where Jim Trotter is coming from, but he told half the story. He didn't tell the whole story.
And my final little nugget that I want to give you for uh, segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day, still on Melvin Ingram watch. On Tuesday, it was put out there that there was three teams in the hunt for Melvin Ingram, the Raiders, Panthers, and Cowboys. That was Tuesday. Well, on Wednesday, it got updated to five teams, Panthers, Raiders, Cowboys, Jets and Lions. So apparently those five teams are in the hunt right now for the veteran defensive end Melvin Ingram. And I'll tell you, I think that Malcolm Kuntz is going to play a Melvin Ingram role, but he's not Melvin Ingram. He hasn't proven it yet. I mean, he's a guy from Buffalo. He's a guy that's going to have an opportunity to compete. But I think what Melvin Ingram would bring to the team if the Raiders decide to sign him is the same thing that Malcolm Kuntz is going to basically do, end up doing, is being a situational pass rusher. So uh, just something to note uh, that that might be a guy, if there's any more veteran signings, it will probably be Melvin Ingram, and it may come sooner rather than later. So I just want to give you that update. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, getting to know series continues. My conversation with Joey Wagner from the Illini Inquirer talking all things Nate Hobbs, the fifth round pick out of Illinois, number 167 overall for the Raiders. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about a great sponsor here on the Locked On Raiders podcast, and that is Nugenics. And Raider fans, you need to listen up. Nugenics is the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. It's offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. You want to get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T? Text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by testosterone, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help get you back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Nugenics Total T is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ad says, she'll like it too. If you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It's because it works. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to continue with our series, Getting to Know. Today, we're getting to know Nate Hobbs, the fifth-round pick from Illinois, number 167 overall for the Raiders in the draft. And uh, to help us break it down, Joey Wagner from the Illini Inquirer, really, really good dude, really, really good conversation. Uh, had that on a Wednesday evening, and I actually had to call him twice because uh, the first interview was all messed up. But here it is, Joey Wagner and myself, our conversation talking all things Nate Hobbs. Joining me now on the phone lines to talk about the Raiders' fifth-round draft pick, Nate Hobbs, defensive back out of Illinois. This is my guy, Joey Wagner, Illini Inquirer. You can find him on Twitter at MrWagner25. And I didn't know a whole lot about Nate, but uh, he seems like a hard hitter, a guy who makes a lot of plays on the ball, and a guy who's also been playing since his freshman year. So what do Raider fans need to look forward to when Nate Hobbs gets to camp? Look, Nate's for a cornerback, and I know we've seen it a lot, and uh, you know, I, I know a lot of corners might bite back at the notion a little bit, but but Nate's a really sure tackler, and that's not always the case with corners, but he's it's something he's embraced pretty early on. It's something that Lovey Smith asked of his cornerbacks to be is sure tacklers, and and Nate does that physically. He's got you know, all of the tools, the, you know, 40 inch vertical jump at the pro day, a four, three, nine, I believe it was 40. He's got everything that the skills that you want. The question would be some of the, the coverage issues he had in 2020 and, and 2020 was so weird. I mean, it, 
right. daily COVID testing and, and the shrinking of circles and, and big 10 playing and then not playing and then playing again. It, it was such a hard thing. It was a really heavy season. And I don't know, you know, I'm not trying to make an excuse for Nate. I, I don't know, you know, what was going on. It, it sounded like it was a long year for him. Uh, like it was for everybody, but there, there was some consistency things. The tape in 2020 could have been better. It really w- was so strange because it wasn't really what we saw his first three years. It was kind of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but it, it just wasn't like the Nate Hobbs that we had seen kind of grow from this freshman playing immediately into this, you know, senior leader and a guy who really, you know, we kind of knew was going to get a chance in the NFL. So th- that that would be the question now. Could it have been the scheme? Former head coach Lovey Smith's defensive scheme wasn't great in the college game. The cover two takes a certain amount of athletes all over the field, the Tampa two, whatever you want to call it. And that, that's hard to find in college, right? It, it's just a, a lot. But, but for the most part, Nate Hobbs put together, you know, three really good years of tape and he's a sure tackler and he's got the coverage skills. And, you know, I'm curious how he does in Oakland with a, a defensive system that maybe works a little, I don't want to say better for him because he obviously did find this first three years, but it's just a different scheme, different voices. I mean, that, that can be a change for anybody, but in the fifth round, that's a, that's a nice find for Oakland. And I didn't know how high he was going to go. I was a little surprised to see the fifth round just because of the 2020, you know, some of those issues, but, but man, he, uh, he he brings a lot to the table, and, and he's a really hard worker on top of it. He's a guy who's going to have an opportunity to, to look like play and compete in the slot. I know he can play the outside as well. Uh, how, how well do you think that he does a, as a slot corner if that is the position that the Raiders end up putting him at? Yeah, I think he could work there, right? I mean, he, he's been the number one corner for Lovey, uh, not since his freshman year, but pretty much since his sophomore year. And I, I just, I throw the freshman year out a little bit because it wasn't immediate. But after that, it was pretty much smooth you know sailing all the way through as the number one guy but again physically he's got the stuff he, he can hold his own in the slot he, he's physical enough and that versatility i'm sure is attractive for for the raiders and the the kind of the skill set that he brings but yeah he's, he's gonna go out there he's gonna work really hard to make it work and I, that's i know that about me you know, he, he from watching film, I mean, he's the guy who, like I said earlier, brings it in and he hits. And he's very, very physical, almost like a linebacker. And uh, he mentioned in the post-draft media session that, you know, he's had to deal with a lot of adversity and he takes that out into the field with him and kind of plays a little bit angry, a little bit chip on his shoulder. Do you see that from him as well? Yeah, he does. I mean, that, that's just that's Nate, and I think that's what makes him that sure tackler and the guy who's not afraid to go up there and pop and, and really work like that. And and look, Nate's story is interesting enough and interesting enough in its own. He was not this, you know, three and a half, four, four and a half star guy. Lovey should get a lot of credit for finding Nate, helping develop Nate. Nate was a low to mid three star guy committed to Western Kentucky, did not have a lot of power five offers coming out of high school in Louisville. And he, he really turned himself into a fifth round draft pick. And that's Again, a lot of three stars are going to get drafted because there are a lot of three stars. I mean, it's for a reason. You don't want more five stars than three stars, or a five star doesn't mean anything. But Nate, Nate put himself in. He went through the work. He grew into really a leader of that secondary. And, and yeah, I mean, you can tell he plays a little bit physical out there. And I think that's the thing that, you know, it's, it's not, it jumps out at you on tape. It really does the way that he, he plays and he pops for a cornerback. You, you don't see that every time you turn on every tape. 
Talking right now with Joey Wagner from the Illini Inquirer. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Wagner 25 and at Mr. Wagner 25, excuse me. And uh, as far as Nate growing as a player, you mentioned him as a leader in that secondary. How much have you seen him grow as a player on the field and then off as well? Well, he first of all, he really embraced that role as the number one guy. And and again, he, he went out there as a fre- true freshman and, and a part of this where Lovey really kind of tore down the building before him and, and went with a lot of freshmen and started to build his foundation through freshmen and eventually it ended up in the transfer portal. But when Nate got there, it was freshman. And look, that's a tall order to to go out and be a freshman in the big 10 or a freshman cornerback, no less against receivers who have either been around or, you know, had that experience. That's a lot to work with. And Nate did it. And he he was suspended for the first three games of his sophomore year uh, for a violation of team rules. I, I don't, entirely know what that entails but you didn't hear anything about it again because Nate didn't let you hear I mean, and not in the sense that he hit it but he, he didn't you know it wasn't a recurring thing and and in fact really the next year in Chicago he was a representative of their pro day and, and you know maybe some people don't understand all, all that, that that kind of entails but the coaches get to pick for the Big Ten I believe it's three guys so mm-hmm. for, that's quite the change from right. year over year right to, to not playing your first three games and and then to be one of the three representatives for the team up in Chicago where everybody's got questions. And to be honest, I remember standing in a ballroom there and, and Nate was asked about it and they were fair questions and, and he didn't get frustrated. He didn't get irritated. He answered them and said he had grown from, from whatever it was. And I don't think it was anything, you know, legal at all. I know it wasn't actually, but it was just whatever it was in the team rules that, that it was, and it was handled internally. And, and that was the end of that. And, and you never heard of it again because Nate didn't have anything like that again. He just worked really, really hard every day, and, and people gravitated towards him. Younger guys did. You could tell that his voice carried weight back there, and and he, he really made himself into a pretty good college football player and now a pro. You know, he mentioned that Lovey Smith helped him grow a lot. You mentioned that Lovey Smith, you know, deserves a lot of credit for finding him. Uh, Lovey comes in with that, you know, that pro mentality, a, a former coach in the NFL, back in the NFL now on the defensive side of things, really good with the secondary. Uh, how, how much do you think that that kind of helped him? And do you think that that might have prepared him for the NFL a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think it did. And Lovey obviously has connections. He knows what it takes to be an NFL player. He knows how to get there. That that approach doesn't work all the time in college programs, right? And, and, and it doesn't resonate with every person you encounter, uh, but it resonated with Nate. I was with Kendrick Green, who was drafted in the third round by the Pittsburgh Steelers when he was drafted. And, and I know Lovey reached out to him. And I know how much that Lovey meant to him and his family. And, and I know Nate looked at Lovey. I know you know, we thought linebacker Jake Hansen, who did declare for the draft and ended up coming back to school. He, he's another guy who spoke highly of Lovey and, it, you know, again, it's not the message isn't, you know, something that resonates with everybody, but he knows the path to get there. And Nate obviously followed it and, and found himself in the fifth round. Yeah, absolutely. Talking right now with Joey Wagner from the Illini Inquirer. And Joey just got a couple more questions for you. Do you think that uh, Nate would would be able to contribute on special teams earlier? Is that something that he really didn't do too much in college? Yeah, he didn't do it a lot in college. That wasn't Lovey's deal. It's, it's interesting you say that because so Lovey is obviously with Houston Texans now and Brett Bielema has taken over and he said, hey, starters are going to be on special teams if we <laughs> need them. And, and all of us are like, wait, what is going on? Okay, this is new. Right. And, you know, we got to learn this. And so that wasn't really something Lovey asked much of Nate. But again, you look physically at Nate and, and with the understanding that he doesn't mind tackling. And, and if you don't mind tackling, if you got the speed to go along, I mean, that makes for a pretty 
you know, I guess the pieces to be a pretty nice special team are right there, right? If you can get down there and you can hit somebody and you're sure about it, I, I don't think Nate would have any hesitancy about going out there. I, I think Nate knows what it took to get to this point. And I, I would be shocked if you were going to, you know, kind of draw a line and say, ah, special teams, admit that, that's just not who Nate is. You know, I mentioned earlier that he's going to have that opportunity to compete for the, the slot position, the slot corner position uh, with the Raiders. And, and he's a guy that, that walked on campus and started as a, as a freshman, you know, for, from necessity, but he was out there as a freshman. Do you think he's a guy that, that is confident enough and, and has enough ball skills to be able to go out there and step into a training camp, an NFL training camp, and, and really make himself, put himself in consideration to get on the field early just on, on defense? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't think Nate's going to go in there and be overwhelmed by the moment. Man, at this point in his career, it's it's got to be. And I know the NFL is a heck of a moment, and it should be. It's it's a big deal. There's nothing better than being there. But if he wasn't overwhelmed or at least showed being overwhelmed walking out there as a true freshman, as a cornerback in the Big Ten on a team that really wasn't very good, and then going out there as a sophomore in the Big Ten, on a team that was worse than the year before, I, I don't know that he's going to be overwhelmed by the moment. I, I think that, you know, I, I think his experience in college has probably helped him get beyond that. What would you say Nate's biggest weakness is or where he needs to work on his game the most? I just think it's the consistency. We, you know, the first three years of Nate were, you know, again, as you would expect a little bit as a freshman and sophomore playing in the Big Ten, it wasn't perfect, but he, he held his own. He put up together some nice film. And for whatever reason, 2020 was was just tough. And again, we don't know. If, I don't know what went into that or if it was just a, a tough time. And look, man, that's a heavy year to play when you're getting up and tested every day. And, and, you know, you're only seeing the same X number of faces every day because you're trying to play a football season in the middle of a pandemic. But just the consistency, there were guys. Purdue comes to mind. David Bell, he'll be picked next year. Uh, you know, he got made a little bit, and and Rashad Bateman at Minnesota, who was a first round draft pick, I believe. Yeah, uh, Baltimore. If yeah, I'm not Baltimore. Mistaken. You know, he he got made, and and look, there's nothing wrong with getting uh, got a little bit by by those two guys because one's a first round pick, and one's going to be, you know, David Bell's going to have a have his say in in those first couple rounds. So. There's nothing wrong with that, but just that consistency all the time. I'm really interested in the new scheme with new voices and, and all of that, if that can, can help. And I, I don't want to insinuate that I think he got worn down by the same voices, but just it's just different, right? I mean, yeah. this is your job now, and if, and if there's just a different connection, there's all sorts of things to watch. But just, I would say, doing that all the time, you know, the consistency a little bit and, and kind of shaking out a little bit of that 2020 season. Well, I'll tell you, he sounds like a guy that that takes to coaching and doesn't mind hard coaching as well and, and wants to be coached up and gets better. I mean, that's just kind of from listening to his media session, listening to what you're saying and kind of watching a little bit of the film on him. I mean, he looks like he's a guy who's almost almost a sponge, man, and just wants to continue to work and get better. He is. And, you know, the, the, here's the thing with Nate that's interesting about that is, when he was a freshman out there, maybe a little bit, but then the transfer started to happen. And some of the veterans realized like, oh, man, we're not playing. I mean, that Lovey's going younger guys here. So Nate didn't have a lot. I mean, he had Lovey, and, and Lovey's a really good guy to have if you're trying to be a sponge. I and mean, there's no two ways about that. He, he's very smart. Gil Bird was a, a defensive assistant back there. And he, he's had good good voices in it, but he never had that older player to, right. to really kind of trail around a little bit and follow because they, they just really by a sophomore year wasn't a lot of older players around there anymore so I, I think that is something honestly that I hadn't much put a lot of thought into that could help me is, is to kind of 
you know, be that shadow, be that smudge. He's such a good personality. I mean, that, that guy can, he can talk to anybody. I don't think there's going to be any issues with him. Uh, you know, you know, kind of trailing around some of the, the older guys on the team, but I, I think that could help him quite a bit. And he's such a willing learner and, and cares so much about the craft that, you know, it makes sense to me that, you know, that's something I, I would think he'd be very interested in doing. And Joey, before I let you go, man, we were setting this uh, interview up and we were exchanging a few text messages. You said, hey, you're going to love covering Nate. What did you enjoy the most about covering Nate? Well, I, I just think Nate's down to earth, right? And he's a fun guy to talk to. He's going to let you in. He's, he's going to be honest. He's and really, look, for the last 14 months, whatever it is, we've been living this Zoom and Zoom conversations are so disjointed and yeah. so... Ugh, just, just on again all it's just so hard to, to really get in the rhythm and Nate made it easy and he's really always been that guy and then again like I said I go back to that media day where he's a a junior at that point in college and he'd already been starting for two years but yeah look media days get a lot of attention a lot of people are in there and you know he didn't shy away he answered the questions about the previous year he stood there and and was really just a, a good interview all the time. And for us, you know, I know it doesn't mean a lot to fans to hear somebody's a good interview, but <laughs> for us, that matters a lot, right? I mean, right. that's something that I know it's like, okay, you know, this is going to be a good interview. And, yep. and that's what Nate is. So it, he's a fun guy to get to know. And, you know, it really matters a lot for him to, to be in this position. And I think he, he understands that. So it's, it's just a fun, fun guy to talk to. That's awesome. I look forward to it for sure. Sounds like a fun guy to follow. Sounds like he's going to be a fun guy on the field. That's Joey Wagner from the Illini Inquirer on Twitter at Mr. Wagner 25. And uh, what do you have coming out that, you know, fans should be on the lookout for? I'm sure you got a lot of draft coverage. Maybe you're wrapping that up. Yeah, we're wrapping up draft coverage. Uh, Illinois had two draft picks this year, Nate and, and Kendrick Green. A couple other guys, Josh and Matter Bebe signed with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Milo Eifler signed uh, with the New York Jets. We're kind of putting a bow on that, and we're wrapping up spring ball. Illinois is, has finally uh, concluded that. We, we talked with Brett Bielema a little bit yesterday. We got more coming with him, and it's a new coaching staff, right? So we're kind of learning how they tick and you know what it, all of it that goes in. And you know, th this coaching staff has the benefit of secrecy. No one else in the Big Ten has seen what they're doing at Illinois. So it's uh, <laughs> us trying to crack that code a little bit and, and get in there and see. And the off season, man, I mean, they're, they're starting to pick up some recruiting. We're you know, all around the country, we're starting to see this recruiting dead period start to lift a little bit. So, hey, that, I think that's a good thing for kids to see the campus they're about to commit to. And be it gives us some good content for what are usually a little bit of slower summer months. So there it is right there. I'll tell you, Raider Nation, I said that I was pretty excited about Malcolm Kuntz, which I am very excited about him. I think he's going to be a player. But I think Nate Hobbs has an opportunity to compete as well. And I, I don't want to fall for a banana in the tailpipe and just say, oh, man, it sounds good, looks good, feels good, got to be good. Uh, my grandmother always told me better than that. She said just because it looks good and feels good don't mean it is good. But I'll tell you, man, I think Nate Hobbs is going to have an opportunity to compete. And the thing I like about Nate Hobbs, the thing I like about Malcolm Kuntz, the thing I like about Divine Diablo, Trayvon Merrick, I mean, the list goes on and on. These guys are physical dudes. They get after it. And we talk about the coverage skills of the Legion of Boom, but we call them the Legion of Boom. Why? Because they were so damn physical, too. They lowered the boom. You know, not only were they great in coverage, but, man, they could bring the heat and they can hit you and hit you hard. I like that. And Nate Hobbs is a dude who is a very physical corner. He's a guy who kind of plays like a linebacker, but he has the the coverage skills to, to be a cornerback. So uh, I think that he's going to have a good uh, good showing in training camp. I think he's really going to compete and make some guys really earn their jobs. And that's another thing that the Raiders need, guys out there earning their jobs. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Coming up in segment number three, 
get you uh, calls. Get to some calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here of the Locked On Raiders podcast, and the first one is betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action. Baseball season, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, it is all in effect, and betonline.ag has you covered. Get off the sidelines. Get into the game. Your team is prepping for a run to the playoffs. You can, too. Betonline.ag. Get on it either on your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Again, head to the website, and when you sign up for your account, You make a deposit, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON, and uh, get that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. I also want to tell you about RockAuto.com. They're the title sponsor of today's show, and they're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. Engine control parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. You want it, they got it. Doesn't matter if your car is a classic or a daily driver. Everything you need is a few easy clicks away, and they're delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can quickly check all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brand, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. That's right, the prices at RockAuto.com are super low, and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Right now, go to RockAuto.com, check out the parts available for your car or truck. While you're there, is a box that said, how'd you hear about us? You write Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that I sent you. Great selection, great low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need, all at rockauto.com. Segment number three, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Have a time to get into just a few texts and calls real quick, but uh, we'll try to hurry up and get through some. First up is a text from Andrew the Raider. Hey Q, really liking the getting to know episodes on our new Raiders. Good stuff. Want to talk about a problem I have with some Raider deja vu though. I actually am pretty excited about how this draft class looks as a whole. I think we got a lot better, but my gripe is with another player being asked to play a role that is not his specialty. Talking about Divine Diablo. After spending a lot of time on some film study breakdown videos, I walked away certain that Divine Diablo is a damn good safety. Can play in the box or even deeper in cover two, but the guy is not a linebacker. Divine understands deep coverage really well, but he does not attack gaps and take on blockers anywhere close to how he'll need to go against NFL offensive linemen. When he's in the box as a safety and making a lot of plays in the run game, it's because linebackers are forcing ball carriers into his gaps where there's maybe a tight end or wide receiver trying to block him. That's a lot different than NFL offensive line guys. I just don't know why the Raiders love to take a guy and try to make him something he's never been. Divine would be perfect as Bradley's strong safety, but instead we're going to make him a will linebacker. Shaking my head, fingers crossed. Thanks, Q. That's from Andrew the Raider. And the one thing I'll say about that is he was playing that, that weak side linebacker in the senior bowl, and that's where it was kind of like – relay to him that, hey, that's what you're going to do in the NFL. So clearly they saw something there. Now, I'm not against what you're saying as far as, uh, you know, changing positions because that's something that Mike Mayock was very specific about. I know Brother Marquise in the 305 brought it up as well uh, that uh, he said uh, he didn't think Mike Mayock was going to make that mistake again is try to draft players and make them play a different role. But clearly – 
that's what they got going on. I mean, they, they got Alex Leatherwood. He's a left tackle. They're going to put him at the right side. They got Divine Diablo. They got him as a safety. He's going to put him at the weak side linebacker. I mean, there's just that's just kind of what they do. You know, regardless of what they're talking about, you never know exactly what they're going to do. Um, I feel like that there's something that they saw from him. Clearly, Gus Bradley saw something. Uh, linebackers coach saw something where they feel like, hey, that's a guy that can play that weak side linebacker position. So we'll see. But all your points are very valid, and, and it's something that Mike Mayock brought up that he did not want to do. So I can understand having some concern about him switching positions. But, again, as a third-round draft pick, at least he'll have time. He won't be forced onto the field immediately. He'll have time to grow into that position. Got a call from Rich in the 510. He's calling to give his thoughts on the overall draft for the Raiders, gives his thoughts on some guys that stood out to him, and shares his thoughts on the defense as a whole. Here he is, Rich in the 510. Yo, what's up, Q? It's Rich. Just want to say a few things. I'm uh, very happy with the draft that we had. You know, I agree with you that we reached on Leatherwood for the first pick. But, you know, getting married in the second round made up for it. Never thought we would have been able to get him in the second round. And him talking about he's healthy, ready to go, makes it even better, you know. And I'm also excited about Coots. You know, I feel like he could be a situational pass rusher and get us some sacks, you know, when he comes in the game. But that's all he does is get sacks. And I'm also excited about Gillespie. I feel like he's going to give Abrams some competition. You know, he's going to be at Abrams' neck. Hopefully, Abrams steps it up in his new scheme. Gus Bradley and Milas, their coaching, should be able to get the best out of all these players, just like Arnett, Mullen. You know, there's talent on this defense, especially with Casey Hayward coming over to coach up the young guys. I feel like we might be able to finally put on a a good product on defense on the field, you know what I mean? And if we do have a good defense this year, it's time for the excuses to stop, you know? It's always been Derek Carr doesn't have this, Derek Carr doesn't have that. Well, defense isn't the reason that Derek Carr and John Gruden have those late-season collapses. It's been two years in a row that we have six wins plays of the season, and then we have a collapse. So that needs to change. We need to get into the playoffs and need to make a run because we're going on year eight of Derek Carr. You know what I mean? And sooner or later, you just got to ask yourself a question like, well, you know, I know he's a good guy. I know he's an average quarterback. I know you can win with him, but can you win the whole thing with him? And if you can't, then you got to make a decision. So let's slow down and let's see what this defense does. And I hope, that they, you know, they ball out. I hope that going into the season, we stay healthy, you know, and John Gruden needs to get it together also. And not only him, it's Derek Cards, it's everybody. Everybody needs to get it together this year. This is the year to make a run, you know. Hopefully they allow fans the full capacity in the stadium because I'm going to be there. I'll be there in every home game. So, Let's get it right, man. I'm happy where we're going. I'm, I'm happy where we're trending. So this is the year, man. Boomer bust. You know, I love your show. I appreciate everything you do for us. Yep, Rich, I'm out. There he goes, Rich in the 510. And you're right, my man. The players that they picked in the draft – I think will be improved to be good players. Starters, they got two starters immediately. We know that off top. Leatherwood and Merrick, those are two starters. 
Kuntz, situational pass rush, uh, like you mentioned. You know, I think he could be that guy. Uh, I think the defense has to be better under Gus Bradley. And really, the other coaches that they have on the on the roster as well, with Ron Miles, I think he's a heck of a, a defensive coach. I think that they have just more more intelligence and better coaching. And, and that's not a really a slight to Paul Gunther. It's just it's not so complicated and so hard to figure out. I think that Gus Bradley will be able to make it a lot easier for these players to transition and go and make plays. Uh, honestly, they should have no excuses for not making the playoffs again. I mean, you got 17 games. They, they should have zero excuses as far as I'm concerned for last year. And I know someone will say, oh, Q, but this didn't happen. They had a young team and they didn't have OTAs. And, you know, it was a COVID year and this and that. Yeah, I know. But you know what? 31 other teams in the league had to deal with that too. And other teams still made it to the playoffs. There was teams that played really, really well and, and teams that were young. I mean, hell, Matt Rule won, what, five games as a first-year head coach in, in, in Carolina? And they didn't have a very good team. And then you saw the team, Cleveland, first-year head coach. He goes to the playoffs. I mean, come on. Let's just let's let, let's stop making excuses. The Raiders failed at what they were supposed to do. They were sitting at six and three. They had a, a a good path to make it to the playoffs, and they just ran out of gas. It all just kind of teetered out at the end. It just just boom, you know. It's just like like a, a pin came and popped the balloon and just let all the air out of the sails. And they didn't. They didn't make the playoffs. So they, again, here's another year, fourth year under John Gruden. They've got to make the playoffs. They got 17 games to do it. They've got to make it happen. Thank you so much for that call, my man. Appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from New York Old School Raider. It said, yo, Q, New York's Old School Raider again. You know we love you and the show, but I have an issue. I think we need a fact check from you. Three times on Monday's podcast, you mentioned the Vikings are trying to trade up with the Raiders at 17. Instead, they waited and got their guy. Hmm. Minnesota had picked 14. Why would they trade 14 to 23 and then try to move back up to 17 to get Derisaw? That doesn't make sense, bro, unless you have some solid facts to back that up. This sounds more like a media spin to make the Raiders look dumb. Mayock said there were a few teams that wanted to trade up, and they were tackle-needy teams. The way I see it, Washington at 19, Colts at 21, and the Titans at 22 are tackle-needy teams that want to run the ball, and they did not take Derisaw. Hmm, were they interested in Leatherwood and not Derisaw? Do NFL teams not view Derisaw as high as the media does? Washington drafted Samuel Cosme at 51. Titans drafted Dylan Radunes at 53. Nothing but love, bro, but do you have any facts to back up your statement? Because this other... Thought makes more sense, and Raider Nation needs to hear this alternative view, which doesn't have the media spin to make the Raiders look dumb. Respectfully, your thoughts, Q. As always, just win, baby. Raiders. That's from New York Old School Raider. And look, I don't have fact checks on this, and this is something I've said multiple times when I was talking about Alex Leatherwood, and I said it was my gut feeling. It was my thoughts. It's what I believe the Raiders could have done. Again, all my thoughts. Um, we don't have fact check that Washington wanted an offensive lineman. That's what your thoughts are. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all basing it off of what we think or what we feel. And I just go off my gut feeling. And I do know for a fact that the Vikings were trying to trade up. That's been stated multiple times. Nobody's trying to make the Raiders look dumb. Of all people, I'm the last guy that wants the Raiders to look dumb. I'm the last guy. Cause you know what? People call me to talk about what in the hell is going on with the Raiders. So believe me, I'm not trying to make the Raiders look dumb. I'm saying Bottom line, I feel like that they drafted Leatherwood too high as a guy who likes Leatherwood. Either way, it really doesn't matter now. They got him at 17 and they got Merrick at 43. A lot of people had it the other way. Merrick at 17 and, and Leatherwood in the round two. Who cares? They got their, their guys. Did I like it on Friday night? No. 
But after it's all played out and you saw what they were able to do the rest of the draft, that's fine. They got their top two guys, and they're both going to be day one starters or should be day one starters. So media twist. I'm not giving them media twist. I'm giving you my gut feeling, which is what I give you every single day on the show. And until it goes against what the Raiders company line is, all of a sudden it's a problem. And I'm not saying you in general. I'm just saying all this pushback that I've had because I say that I don't think it was a, a, a good value pick. And, you know, then all of a sudden it's like everyone wants to go and defend the Raiders. They don't need someone to defend. They really don't care what I think. They don't care what anyone thinks. So it's not really a big deal. I'm just giving my thoughts on it, and I'm being truthful like I always am. I will never be anything but truthful. And sometimes people like it. Sometimes people don't. Clearly a lot of people didn't like it that I was truthful about my feelings on a guy that I like. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not like I said I don't like the guy. And I appreciate it. I forget who did it, but someone hit me on or hit hit us up on Twitter and mentioned it on Twitter. It was like, Q never said he didn't like him. He said he was a good player. Just thought he was drafted too high. Like, I mean, man, it's almost like I cursed him or I talked about his mother as many people are, are, are mad at me for giving him my opinion, which is what I do on the daily. So, uh, again, not you in, in particular. I'm just trying to uh, express myself a little bit more, and uh, I'm trying not to do every call in Texas about Leatherwood because it's it's the same thing, and I got the same thing to say at the end of the day. It's my gut feelings. It's not about fact checks. It's not about a media twist. It's not about making the Raiders look dumb. It's about the fact that they've had Five first-round draft picks before this year, and we know for a fact that they got one really good player. I'm just saying that the Raiders need to get as much talent, stockpile as much talent as possible. I thought they had an opportunity to get a big-time difference maker, not just a right tackle. And I know he's, he's going to be good at right tackle, but you're also asking him to switch positions from left tackle to right. And Mike Mayock also mentioned he might end up playing guard if he can't hold it down at right tackle. If he ends up playing guard, not saying he's going to, but if he ends up playing guard, are you still going to defend the pick like it was a great pick? Because I'll tell you right now, if he ends up playing guard, that is a, that's a bad pick. Bottom line, it's a bad pick. If he ends up playing guard, and I'm not saying he's going to, but if that ultimately happens, they kick him inside, and he ends up being a really good guard, great. But it's still a guard at 17, and that's not what you were looking for. You were looking for a franchise tackle, a bookend guy that you could put there for the next eight, nine years and be happy and feel like, hey, that spot's solidified. So that's really as much as I can explain it without trying to be disrespectful and, and, and trying to sound rude. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to further explain what I mean and hopefully – Hopefully you understand, but I do appreciate the text, my man, as always. And like I said, it's always respect. It's always love. It's never, uh, it's never from a place of, like I said, disrespect. So thank you so much for that. And that's all I got time for on today's show. Uh, went a little bit longer than supposed to. I got a call from Chuck in Austin. I got a text from Appalachian Raider from the 423. I'll get those on tomorrow's show. And uh, we'll finish off the week really, really strong as we continue to get to know the Raiders draft picks from the 2021 NFL draft. So until then, Raider Nation, definitely appreciate uh, all the feedback, all the love, uh, and uh, take care of yourself. Be safe. Do what you got to do. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.